What's up? It's episode 33, Pain Points of Wealth, and some like it hot. And the economy right now is hot. Make no mistake. We've talked about it week after week, and it's starting to happen. Unemployment's coming down way faster than expected. Consumers are buying more goods than expected. Supply chains are on fire. And we're going to break it down for you today. We're going to talk exactly about what you need to be doing in your portfolio, what you need to anticipate. What does this mean for the global economy? We're going to break it down. And on our tipping point segment, we're going to talk about conflicts of interest. Wall Street is not working for you, believe it or not. We're going to talk about all the dirty little secrets on Wall Street, the financial services industry that you need to be aware of so you can make better decisions with your finances. It's going to be a great show. Let's hop to it. Hit the music. Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth, the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth, giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod, Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between. Yeah, right. Talking about hot, I'm going to see every single number comes in every week higher than expected. Unemployment dropped to 6% this week with a huge number on Friday. You have all the I's going up, the PMI, right? The ISM, all these reports are blowing it away. We had one with a 59.2 reading. And remember, when you look at these numbers, anything below 50, not good. Anything above 50 is good. 59.2, really good. And we also had the ISM services report come in. That blew it away at 63.7. Again, way above 50. Both numbers are well into growth territory, just like Chris has been telling everybody for six months. That's right, Dad. And actually, I was talking to a client of mine this week down in Palm Beach, Florida, and she's in the process of putting a pool in. And she got the contract from the contractors. And the contract said that there's no guarantee as far as when the pool will be put in and what the cost will be because these contractors are in such demand and getting the materials has been a whole other thing. So the price can't be guaranteed. It's crazy. And I feel like our podcast, it's almost like wash, rinse, repeat. Every week we repeat the same thing. Oh, numbers are better than expected. And we give you every piece of economic data you could ever want. But I'll tell you what's even crazier. We already know things are heating up, but at the end of the day, we're not back to normal yet. So this is even before the economy for the most part is fully operational again. And you still have those stimulus checks, that new one for 1400 bucks hasn't even hit consumers' accounts yet. And lastly, if you start looking at CEOs this year, they're planning to do a lot of capital expenditure. So you know, businesses are going to start buying too. Guys, none of this has happened yet. And we're already seeing the heat. Like I can't even imagine what we're going to be talking about come late summer. It's going to be insane. Yeah, but Ryan, this is really good news because you know, there's these backlogs of unfulfilled orders. You know, in almost every factory in the country, I just heard the other day they can't get foam, some chemical you use in foam. That's an out of supply. So, you know, when your mom decides she needs to buy something, I said, ah, why bother? Things are backlogged. You won't get it for a year or two. So my budget's in really good shape right now as a result of all this. Bob, we'd love to see you actually you know, use some fiscal discipline. It's the first time I've ever seen it since I've been your son. Well, the fact of the matter is, you know, the government's secret weapon is your mom. She drives the global GDP. She always has and always will. You know, just remember, mom always gets a discount on everything that she buys. This is true. She saves you money on every purchase, Chris. Well, guys, so you know, what does this mean for the stock market? And you don't need to be a very sophisticated Wall Street strategist to figure this out. The economy heats up. That translates into big profits by corporations. 
which is good for the market because what we always say is the market is a slave to companies' earnings and companies are going to make a lot of money, guys, over the next two years. Well, they are, right? And as a result, you're seeing most of the strategists on Wall Street, at least the ones that we follow, they're increasing their estimates of how high those profits or earnings are going to be. And every time they do that, it ratchets up the price in the market. So we're seeing new highs every week. Matter of fact, we're hitting some significant numbers. We're over 4,000 on the S&P 500 for the first time in history. And we're closing in on 34,000 on the Dow. Well, it seems like that right now is not on the future of profits for like these big disruptive tech companies like Spotify, Zoom, Tesla. It's more like the companies that are profitable now. It's like those old school stocks like banks, oil, those kinds of things. Yeah, that's been the theme here on our show week after week. It's about profits, all about profits. And when you start thinking about your portfolio and you're thinking about being strategic, you have to start thinking about what benefits the most and we're the losers. And in my mind, the losers are going to be all these companies that have no profits. Well, you know, Ryan, I love those companies because we just made a ton of money on them over the last 10 years. But there's a time to hold them, there's a time to fold them. And right now, you want to be in investments that pay dividends, where you're getting a profit every day and it gets paid into your account every three months so you can compound your money. You know, the big magic for every investor, especially, you know, the Oracle of Omaha, Warren Buffett, is compounding your principal and interest. That's where the real money is made. Not this addressable market that I hear every one of these economists and strategists getting on talking about some company with no earnings and some ridiculous PE ratio. Well, you're starting to see the animal spirits come out because every time we talk about Tesla, which we like to talk about on our show every week, we get a lot of pushback saying, oh, you guys in the financial world, you don't understand. It's a technology company. It's not a car company. And that's why the stock's going to go higher and higher. Well, it already trades like a technology company. It doesn't trade like a car company. And that's what our argument here is. All these stocks that have no earnings or very little earnings, they're already priced for hundreds of years worth of profits. And I know we talk about this a lot, but they're going to get penalized for that eventually. You know, Ryan, you know, you're starting to use common sense again. And you know, all that does is make you money. I went to pick up a bathroom rug the other day and the saleswoman gave me a hot tip on a Bitcoin. You know, this is a penny Bitcoin. And I said, you know, explain to me how it works. Oh, it just goes up. I said, well, what was your due diligence? What was your research? My brother-in-law put 50,000 into it. This is no different than uh, Kennedy getting a tip from the shoeshine guy back in the 20s. It's not going to end well, boys. Well, you know what? I've been talking to a lot of my clients and they're comparing Bitcoin to gold and saying, oh, it's just like gold. Well, if you look at the long-term return on gold, it's averaged 1.1% a year. In comparison to long-term bonds, they've averaged 2.9% a year. And if you look at stocks, 7.4% a year. Hey guys, I don't know if you remember this, but we've been telling everyone since the beginning of this podcast that gold is not a good investment and bond funds are a horrible place to be. Everything in the market is up this year, except long-dated bond funds and gold, both down double digits, while everything else is up double digits to 20 plus percent. Yeah, it comes down to a very simple concept, right? And we keep it simple. And when you think about it, it's about what we call intrinsic value. And that's just a fancy way of saying is you want to invest in something that you can take a lot of cash flow out of that's going to pay you really well. And that's the beauty of long-term investing is you buy stocks that are productive. Like when you buy a company like Exxon, they actually produce oil. They refine gasoline. It actually has some sort of use in society. And you, Apple produces consumer electronics. And those profits every year get paid out to you. And over a long period of time, you have an asset that just paid you so, so well. And the problem is when you get things like gold, Bitcoin, 
or any of these quote unquote disruptive technologies that still haven't really disrupted. It's only the potential of them disrupting is they pay you nothing. You know, there's no intrinsic value there. And just common sense says, if I want to be an investor long-term, I want to buy investments that are going to pay me a lot of cash. That's why Warren Buffett's the greatest investor of our generation. And that's the key. When it comes to inflation, the greatest inflation hedge in the history of the planet are blue chip company stocks, right? Any stock that increases its earnings and its dividends. So here's what I'm hearing. I think this is the advice. I want you to take your money, invest in a balanced portfolio of high quality companies that pay dividends, and then go out and buy some gold and hang it around the neck of the person you love. All right, it's the tipping point. We pinpoint the pain point. Of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E, having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. So Bob and Chris, as you and I irreverently discuss often, the financial services world is riddled with conflicts of interest. In fact, you and I worked for one of the largest firms on Wall Street and spent a good amount of time just protecting our clients from the firm. So it's actually one of the reasons we started our firm, Pink Capital Management. So then we can discuss some of the situations where the financial services industry might not be working in your best interest. Well, I think the first red flag about the financial services industry is our government's been trying to protect the consumer for a good 20 years now by passing what they call the fiduciary rule, where the advisor, the investment firm actually has to put you, the consumer, the client, the investor's interest first. And guess what, guys? They've been fighting it tooth and nail, and they don't want to put your interest first. They want to make as much money as they can. Unbelievable. Thank God for those lobbying groups to help those poor, helpless insurance and brokerage companies. You know, <laughs> all they need is more protection, not less protection. It's kind of crazy the way government works and how literally you go to a big bank and it's set up so they don't have to act in your best interest. And it shows in the products, guys. I mean, look, think about some of the cases we've worked on recently. There's actually a teacher's union out there right now that has a lawsuit against Goldman Sachs for violating their mission statement where they actually say, we're going to put your interest first, and they're never going to put profit over the benefit of the clients. I thought teachers were smart. They didn't know Wall Street doesn't care about you. Yeah. As a matter of fact, guys, I recently worked on a case for a client. They have a variable annuity, and we had called the insurance company together to find out what the costs and fees are of this annuity are. So first, it had an administrative fee every year of 1%. It had an M&E fee of 1%. And then the investments or what they call the sub-accounts at another 1%. So before my client got any return on this product, they were paying 3% up front. It's amazing. And you can't see it. That's the best part about Wall Street is they know how to hide those fees so you don't even know what you're paying. It's amazing to me too, like some of these structured products where it's like, well, you get all the upside of the market, you're protected on the downside. And you're thinking, well, this sounds great. Like, Who wouldn't want to get all the upside and not the downside? But when you start to breaking it down, it's too good to be true. Well, that's the point. The price of getting good returns is volatility. And that's the fee you have to pay. Now, so this is where these big firms really prey on the investor because they think we can come up with a product that's going to eliminate the true cost of investing, which is volatility. You know, you can't get those great long-term returns in the stock and bond market unless you stay invested. So they try to eliminate volatility, sidestep the declines, which of course no one can predict or know. They present these products as if they can. What they're really doing is they're picking your pocket with these hidden fees that Chris just mentioned. What's the cost of protection? What's the cost of avoiding the downside? There's always a cost to everything. There is no magic bullet. Yeah, there's no free lunch when it comes to investing. And it's one of the things where you break down these structured products. I mean, just looking at it simply. 
Well, they take out the dividends. And if you study market history, 40% of your return over time isn't markets going up or down, it's the dividends. And they take that out and they pocket that as part of their fee. And the other part is they take some of your upside when the market goes up. Now, you might think that's not a big deal. It is because you only get big moves in the market once in a while. And when you get those big moves, the problem is with a, a product like this is they eat all that upside with their fees. Hey, Chris, we've worked on a lot of cases where we see this inherent conflict of interest. I'll tell you, one of the biggest offenders is that company in the backyard of our Bluebell office, a place called Vanguard. Yeah, exactly, Dad. We worked on a case where this client, their top holdings were Vanguard bond funds. And if you look at the performance of these funds, back in January, they were down 1%. In February, they were down 1%. In March, they were down 1%. And so far for the month of April, they're down 1%. They continue on this trajectory. They'll be down 12% for a year on an investment that only yields 1%. See, that's the thing. You know, Open-ended bond funds worked well when you're in a declining rate environment, but it's just like the seesaw or the teeter-totter at your playground. You know, When one side goes up, the other side goes down, and interest rates are going up right now, as we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. So bonds are going down, and bond funds can go down to a point where you may never get your money back. And it's the only option you have at Vanguard, right? Is uh, Surprise, surprise, or Vanguard funds, and the only option you have for bonds are bond funds. So lest we think that Vanguard somehow has the best option for every category to invest in, then that clearly has to be a conflict of interest. And that's the problem. You know, even Vanguard, which you think it's cheap, I'll put my money there. And we love Vanguard funds. We use Vanguard funds, but it's not the best place to be for every cent of your money. And Vanguard isn't going to recommend you to use Fidelity options, Schwab options. They have one option they're going to offer you, one option you're going to use. And to your point, even if you're losing money, there's nobody over there that's going to say, hey, 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 let's get out of this fund or out of this investment because it's not good because that's against their interest but it's not in your interest. You know, Chris, it's kind of like if you went to a boat dealer and he said, well, I don't have any boats that float right now. I have boats with holes in the bottom, but that's all I sell. So, you know, this is what you have to own. I'm sorry. This is what I sell you. Or it's like going to a diner where they have like a million things in the menu. They don't do anything particularly well. You're not going to go to the local diner for a Philadelphia cheesesteak. You're going to go down to Center City, Philadelphia. That's a good point. And you know, and it's not just Vanguard. You know, guys, we worked on a case where the client had all their money at Fidelity. And surprise, surprise, they owned all Fidelity mutual funds. They had the Fidelity Contra Fund, the Fidelity Growth Fund, the Fidelity Millennial Fund. They had all these fancy names, but they all started with Fidelity. And of course, when we looked under the hood, they owned the same things over and over again. You have a problem with that? Well, I mean, I love paying more for mediocre funds that doesn't allow me access to other options. That sounds like a great deal. It's a great deal for Fidelity. And you know, it's no coincidence. I know you guys are working on a case from one of the big banks the other week. And it was just littered with those structured products we talked about, where the bank makes a lot of money on those structured products and just a hodgepodge of different investments. And because we work in this industry, we know everything that was sold in that portfolio, because it was sold, had something to do with the commission, had something to do with the bottom line of that big bank. And again, not in all in the interest of the person who owned any of the investments. And literally, what they ended up with, what we call that collection of investments a collection of funds that are paying that firm really, really well in the back end. And the poor client has no idea. They call me cynical, but somebody ends up with a real estate investment in their portfolio that's A, illiquid, B, costs 2 or 3% a year to manage, C, has an alternative of the you know, real estate investment trust index, which doubled the return of this investment and only cost four basis points in cost. Maybe it was sold because of the commission to the broker, not because it was in the best interest of the client. 
but it's legal. They didn't do anything wrong. Nothing to see here. Move along. And all goes back to, again, because these big banks and brokerage houses, they don't have to act in your best interest. So they don't. It's that simple. And I think that's the thing you have to wake up to nowadays is the question you have to ask is, is the person working for me a fiduciary or not? And that simply means if you are a fiduciary, by law, you do have to act in the client's best interest. And if you're working with an advisor right now, that's the first thing you need to find out. Am I working with a fiduciary or a salesperson that represents the firm and not me? Well, here's the problem with the biggest companies out there and why there is this inherent conflict of interest. Their ultimate responsibility is to the shareholders of the company, right? Bank of America is beholding to their shareholders, Merrill Lynch, Morgan Stanley. So the companies drive, you know, Prudential, they're Lincoln Financial. Everyone in that organization, the management, the salespeople, the sales assistants, they're all beholden to the shareholder. It's the shareholder's interest who are put first before yours. All we can say is caveat emptor. Bob, Chris, and I now have spent a collective 70 years helping individuals just like you with their planning and investing. This is literally what we do every single day. Everything we teach you here on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially at any stage of your journey. But if you have over $500,000 saved and you want a more hands-on approach and guidance, you can apply for a free financial review. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan or click on the link below. We can put together a full audit of your investments, the fees you're paying, tax optimization, and a complete savings and income plan to ensure you're on the right path to achieving financial independence. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan or click the link below to see if you qualify for a free financial review. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this podcast, Pain Points of Wealth. If you like our content, you love our content, you think I'm smarter than Chris or Bob, you'd be right. Click on the like button, subscribe to our channel. You can have it sent to your inbox every single week. And if there's anything you want us to talk about topically, let us know. We'd love to hear your feedback. Give us some feedback. All right, gentlemen, the hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. All right, Bob, there are a few financial variables more correlated to performance than commitment to a strategy over time during the good and bad. The historical odds of making money in US markets are 50-50 over one-day periods, 68% over one-year periods, 88% over 10-year periods, and so far 100% over any 20-period holding stocks. Pretty good odds. Yeah, Rob, you know what? When you look at the historical return of equities, you got to wonder, why isn't everybody rich? You know, if the market goes up over time and it has risen over your entire lifetime, why would anybody time the market? It's time in the market, Bob, not timing the market, as the old saying goes. Chris, real net public infrastructure investment has been cut by more than half since the early 2000s. The new proposed $2.3 trillion infrastructure plan is equal to all of the revenue generated by Apple over the past 18 years combined, including that from every iPhone, iPad, and every iPod ever sold. Man, oh man, that's a lot of stimulus into the economy. Well, just think, boys, if the federal government had gotten into the smartphone and tablet business 18 years ago, we probably wouldn't have anything to worry about. But the problem is, is I think taxes will probably go up in the future because we're going to have to pay for this infrastructure eventually. Taxes are coming, but also the economic boom. So you get two sides of the coin there. Bob, there were one point. 3 million homes for sale in the US in January, the lowest monthly count since 1982, 
Despite the fact the population's increased by 43%, can someone say housing shortage? Well, I'll tell you what, that really is a shortage, right? It's amazing how there's a shortage of everything. This time last year, we thought that the pandemic was going to last a long time. Companies got caught with their pants down. And as a result, you know, there's everybody's trying to catch up. That's why this economy is booming and it's going to continue to boom. I love it. I love it too, Bob. And another thing we've heard a lot about is a housing bubble. Well, probably not since it's a shortage of houses. That wasn't the issue back in 08, 09 when the housing bubble burst. It was too many houses. So interesting dynamics at play. Chris, a study mentioned in the New York Times looked at the return of gold, as we've talked about earlier on the show today, from 1836 to 2011. That's a pretty good time horizon. Once you factored in inflation, the long-term return on gold is just 1.1% compared to 2.9% for long-term bonds and 7.4% for stocks. I don't understand why anyone would ever want to own gold. Well, you're essentially taking equity stock-like risk and getting less than a return on quality bonds. It's crazy. And Bitcoin's the new gold, apparently. So pick your poison. All right, gentlemen, we're a great show today. If you like our podcast, you love our podcast, please subscribe, click on the like button, and as always, stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to The Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully, you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Music